Pastor Bruce, come on up. And I think it's all ready for you. I don't know if I'm coordinated enough to move the slides and hold the microphone at the same time. This may be a little bit beyond my talents, but we'll see what happens here. Uh, before I start, this is going to be rushed. Uh, Ethan pointed out there's a lot of slides on here, and there are, and I've got 15 minutes, so I'm going to crank. Last time I just showed you the last two weeks that I'm in the Philippines. This time I want to take five minutes out of the 15 and show you what happens the first two weeks. Uh, when I go over there, it's kind of like grandpa coming home for a family reunion. It really is. A lot of these young men you're going to see that are about Ethan and Aaron's age, they call me Lolo. And now these guys have kids like you do, and they call me Lolo. So it's literally a, a family reunion when I go back there. So I just want you to see some of these faces of young men like I've known Ethan from here that I've seen grow up in the ministry. And uh, we'll just fly on by, but I just want you to see some of these faces, these young men that have got saved. I've preached some of their ordination services, and it's just been amazing. The last 20-some-odd uh, years that I've been going over there, the 15, 14, 15 times I've been there, to the relationships. It's not just going to preach someplace. It's like I'm here where I love the people and I know the people. It's a different thing. So here we go. Grandpa's back. Welcome back, Pastor Bruce. I get here and uh, I got there about four o'clock at six o'clock. I'm in their prayer meeting at, at Pastor Emmanuel Barreso's church. Next morning, bright and early, Pastor Ricky, Pastor Fidel, recall, planted this church, started this church. We have built it twice. And that's the main church. And then here's two other churches that have got uh, born out of that church. So we have these three sets of pastors that I have a dear relationship with. And that evening, we went to a new mission work, got to preach there. The next evening, we went to uh, the, the island of Beliran, totally different dialect. I got to preach here. Pastor Zosimo is on my left. He's been a dear friend for many, many years. His son, John Bruce, I was there when John Bruce was born. The Bruce is named after me. And, uh, you know, this kid drew a picture. Uh, he's quite the artist. And he made me look better in the picture than I really do. And then it was on to another mission church the next night and preaching there, having fellowship afterwards. And then on Sunday, it was in the main church. Uh, and my wife and I literally help build this building. Some of those pillars you see that are painted black, we were there when they were pouring the concrete in the pillars. Mixing uh, it in a hole in the ground, put it in a little box, hoisting it up on a pulley, dumping it in and filling these pillars, leveling off gravel. Uh, when we came, the, the project was stalled. And I asked the pastor, I said, how many times have you been there working? Well, I don't go there work. I said, well, that's the problem. You need to go there and work. So we went and worked, and they heard that Pastor Bruce and Miss Sharon were there lugging stones and mixing concrete. And that night, there was 40 people that showed up after their work to help build the building. And it just, after we left, it just kept right on going. And they had that building put up in no time at all. Then this is the island of Cebu, the first island of Leyte. Frank Denisi, Bible College, these are... Five of their deaf students, that means I love you. 
then these guys are training to be pastors. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Frank's a great guy. I've known him since he was a little boy. A long story. I'll get into it later. But I uh, got to preach at Frank's church and just was such a blessing. Next morning, I got to preach at this pastor's fellowship. These guys go through stuff that we can't imagine here. They deal with poverty we can't imagine here. And just to preach to these guys, and I just don't tell them how to do anything. I just try to encourage them, being a blessing. You see the pastors crying, their wives crying, so I know I'm doing some good there. And then this is Pastor Fidel. I think he may have been here. On to another church in Cebu for the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Pastor Tony was one of the first uh, three missionaries that came to our church that I talked about last night. He's just a few months older than I am. Pray specifically that Tony and I can both make it to the fall of 24 and minister together again. Went to this little mountain church. His back is to us, uh, Jaira Languido. He and his wife now have a brand new church since I've been there in 22. We've helped them buy the land, helped them build the building. Pray for them. They just had a baby boy who died a few hours after he was born. So uh, my heart goes out to them. Every place we go, I have a snack up here in the mountain, a lot of poverty, a baked potato and a fried banana, and that was the snack. And I gave half of it back because there's people that needed more than I did. Bought some treats up to the little store to hand out to the kids. And then there's Pastor Tony's church. This was a, a, a they were bringing all the pastors together for the meeting that I was at. These are the pastors that showed up that night. And then Friday night, uh, Jolly Dela Cruz, great church planner, preached their prayer meeting. Saturday morning, back with the kids. And if you're wondering, I missed the shot. But they didn't care that the old man would be out there high five, shooting baskets with them. They just loved that. And then I got to actually preach with the kids. Saturday afternoon, on to another children's ministry, uh, ministry back at Pastor Fidel's church. And uh, preaching to those kids, just loving every minute of it. Sunday, we're at Pastor uh, Tony's church. This is his grandson, Earl. Earl is about 21 now, maybe. He is now the pastor, the lead pastor at that church, as Tony has stepped aside and let him do that. At the end of the service, I said, you want to baptize a couple new believers? Absolutely. Dirty water, muddy bottom, but it's the Pacific Ocean. And we waited out, we baptized these. This next morning, I was supposed to take an all-night ferry. And then on Saturday when I was at Fidel's, they bothered to tell me that since COVID, the all-night ferry hasn't been running. So as of Saturday, I'm trying to get an airplane ride to get to Cebu. Got here late, so I only got to preach to this one school and pass out the Bibles in the morning. But it was pretty successful. And then we went on to the Christian school where Pastor Dandy Pondock is the pastor there. And uh, we got to preach to the Christian school. And then right after lunch, then we hit the schools big time. Bagadian City and uh, preaching there. We, we went right from that school to this school. I got to preach to the whole group here. In those two schools, probably close to 4,000 students in just those two schools. And then uh, we're preaching there. And then after those two schools, we went to another school. And I got to preach in three classrooms of children in that school. Stopped at this guy, one of my grandsons, uh, and, and his ministry there. We didn't do anything there other than stop by, have snacks, show me the building. 
moved on to this guy, Jesse Galuda, on the right. They're brothers. They have churches. Both of them have churches in different areas, Pagadian City. This guy always puts on a great service. We always see visitors. We always see souls saved. Every time I go there, the place is packed out on a weeknight, on a Monday night. And then afterwards, we have the feast. When I show up, it's a bad day for the pig. They really have their pigs. The next morning, some pictures. He just showed me the site. Another one of my grandsons, Jade Pabriga. Their school was having a teacher appreciation day, so he got so we could go preach at this college. So these are college students. Little girl on the right front with a white blouse, black stripes. When she got her Bible, she hugged it to her chest and cried tears of joy. Just wept to have the Word of God in her hand. And she just trusted Jesus Christ, their Savior. On this building site right here, Jade Pabriga has a brand new church. Needs about 12 grand to finish it. But the structure of the church is up. It's just amazing what's going on there. We had somebody in our church sell a piece of property. They came to me and said, I've always told them, I, I asked you to be successful because I'll spend every cent that you can bring in. And uh, he said, we just sold some property. I want to give $10,000 to the Philippines. Where do you want to go? I got a plan. So now there's a church sitting on that empty lot. Beautiful family right there. And then that afternoon, further on in more schools, these are the three pastors, three more grandsons working with me in the ministry. Every evening we have a church service. So after we got done those schools, we went to this church. I preached the church service. Then after that, I found out I was supposed to be in another church, preaching another church service for an anniversary service. Only problem was it was two hours away. We drove through a rainstorm, had to detour around a truck accident, slid off the road in the mud. And after I left this church, we drove to this church. These people have been waiting for me for two hours. We were two hours late, so he asked me if I could just preach a short message. So I preached about 10 minutes for their anniversary service. Next time I want to do better. The next morning, we didn't hand out Bibles here because these are elementary school students. But the, the school heard I was coming. They wanted me to go just do their flag raising and open up the service and have a word of prayer and a short word from the Bible. And, of course, a picture with the teachers. Reggie and Roma Lagunas in the back. This is their church. And uh, we stopped there for our second breakfast. And then we went to this school and uh, preached the gospel here. And uh, I got to pause for just a short story. First time I went to this school, we preached the gospel, moved on. Four or five days later, the district superintendents, whatever they call it, called us pastor. And he said, there's been such a difference in the students in that school since that American pastor came and preached and handed out the Bibles. We want you to go to every school in the district and share that same message. So this, this guy's 23 years old then, a brand new pastor. He suddenly is a spiritual leader for a whole school district going around and they're buying his lunch and paying his gas for him and his partner to go around and uh, preach the gospel to these students because they saw such a difference in the lives of those kids. And then on to another school, and there's several hundred kids here. Preach the gospel, give, give an invitation, pass the Bible. And then on to another school, there's about seven or 800 students, I think, sitting in this one group that we preach the gospel to, passed out the Bible. Hey, you take 25,000 Bibles over there. Last time, Rolando got us 24,000 for 20 thousand dollars that included shipping to Mindanao and you know 
how can you run out of Bibles? Because we're handing them out two, three thousand in in a morning, and another two, three thousand in the afternoon. It's just absolutely crazy the schedule that we go over here. Back to Reggie and Roma Lagunas, we had lunch, and then guess what we did? We drove up into the mountains. We preached the gospel to yet another church, passed out more Bibles, another school passed out more Bibles. Of course, we had to have a picture with the teachers and Pastor Bruce. Then that evening, God, they got to preach this little Wednesday night Bible study. Their numbers went way down with COVID. They haven't bounced back yet. This little baby girl had a twin. I got to be with her dad and her mom and her and her baby, and they were headed back home. The day they left me, the twin baby died. It had a heart problem, born with a heart problem. In the United States, ship them to Boston Children's Hospital, patch them up, they're good to go, not in the Philippines. If you don't have the money to pay ahead, you don't go. So that little baby died. And that pastor is now, uh, sorry, that young man, uh, less one little girl in their in their family has, has bought a piece of property that we helped them pay for and is starting a church again. Jaira and uh, his his wife Ellen Cordero, just an amazing young couple. This would be my great granddaughter. She wanted to ride to the next school with me. They were giving me a ride. I had to go to the next school in a different city. She crawled into my lap in the front seat. They don't worry about seatbelt laws over there. She fell asleep, but I tell you, my leg and my right arm were killing me by the time we, we traveled for over an hour to get to the next place. Guess what we did? We got there. We preached the gospel. We passed out Bibles. Jun Jun Gazaga, his wife, Lord Lynn. Jun Jun this spring went through cancer surgery. He had colon cancer. So it was one of those emergency calls for medical help, and we gave him medical help. They... they did surgery, removed the tumors, put on a bag, took off the bag, and now he's doing pretty well. Another group of students, we got the preacher. This was absolutely amazing. Rolando Pacon got me up next morning. Pastor, we're going to preach at college. 2,500 students. 2,500 students in this building. I got to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, give them a Bible at the end, and see them, some of them, weep tears of joy upon hearing the gospel. Here's one of uh, my army of young pastors, one of my grandsons, passing out Bibles. You can see we're still coming off from COVID there. And of course, after we get all done, the, everybody that was there, there was police there, there was army there, and there was the preachers there. We all came together for dinners afterwards. And then what did we do? We went on more schools. There's close to another thousand students in that school preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, handing out scriptures, taking selfies with pretty girls. They caught me in the act. And then these kids, so excited to get their Bibles, so excited. And then Friday night, I think I'm done. Pastor Orlando said, oh, by the way, you got to preach on the radio for an hour. So unbeknownst to me until five minutes before we headed for the radio station. And then Saturday gave me day off. We hopped on the motorcycle. My motorcycle, I turn on the direction light and it goes off by itself. These, you have to shut them off manually. They picked on me mercilessly about not turning off my signal. Beautiful views. I could show you a hundred pictures. This young man was the, the guy that kept on calling me. The, the short guy there in the middle, he, he kept on calling me, would not stop until I told him he could have a meeting. His son, JP, the closest to us on the screen, he's the young man that stayed with me when I had my appendix out. He spent a week with me in the hospital, taking care of me, helping me wash myself, going and getting water. 
go and get the stuff that I needed so I could survive that week. Do I love that kid? One of my great-grandsons right there. And then, then on to Rolando's church, down a lot from COVID, have not bounced back. These kids, the kids had a separate program. A lot of them are kids that are bust in. They have a separate program. And then after, that's, that's Rolando's family there. That young lady on the, on the left of the screen, green dress, she was saved in the first, church, at first school that I preached at back in 2001. And now she's the pastor's daughter-in-law. And JP's the, JP's the guy that stayed with me in the hospital, his wife. And then a lady from the church gave me a hundred bucks. She said, pastor, use it wherever. So five churches, I gave it out 20 bucks at a time. And here they use the 20 bucks to feed these kids and give them a special dinner. And then what did we do Monday morning? We went on, on and you can see, you will see headdresses in here that I have a lot of Muslim kids in the class, a lot of Catholic kids in the class that I get to preach to. On to Pastor Bobby Tago and uh, his schools. That night after preaching in schools all day long, he had me preach to this pastor's fellowship. These are the pastors that showed up with their wives. And then the next morning we're handing out Bibles and one of the pastors come to me and say, Oh, pastor, you're supposed to be doing the chapel service at the Christian school, but I can't find Rico and he's got the keys. I said, you got your motorcycle? He said, yeah. So I hopped on the back of the motorcycle and away we went. We tracked quite a bit of attention going down the street with this little Filipino driving with this big white American sitting on the back of his bike. No helmets or anything like that. Uh, this is Jerry uh, Maluyao's church. He's not here. Because when I was there, he was in the hospital because of cancer. And Jerry's now passed on. And that's another story we'll get to tomorrow maybe. But once again, passing out more Bibles. I'm not the only one preaching. Sometimes I preach to the whole group. Sometimes that army of preachers preaches with me. And we're in different rooms. We're going through Armel and Ruth Kalanod. They just had another baby. That building on the right that you see constructed there is all completed now. They're into that completely finished building. We went on there preaching again. Stopped at this church for lunch. Preached again in the schools, stopped back to get a picture and to say goodbye, and then we moved on to this church in Depolog, where Wednesday night, the last week I'm there, the pastor, the cutout of the pastor on the right, he died. So they did a cutout of him, and they have his own little pulpit that they have standing in the corner. Pretty weird, but that's not our culture, you know what I mean? So I just preached with Fernando, and uh, we got along just fine. He didn't say a thing. He didn't interrupt me at all. It was really good. So that was Wednesday night prayer meeting. Next morning, what do we do? Me and my army, the Lord's army, we loaded up the, the Bibles again and got ready to head off to another school. So we're preaching in this big school, and we're taking pictures after the kids get their Bibles. And this is my last class. In the, la in the afternoon, we, we, we went to this small school, and we got done. And when we got done this small school, we were done. Why? 24,000 New Testaments, and we ran out. So we were done. We were done. 24,000 New Testaments. So far, it's been 213,000, plus or minus a few, New Testaments that have been passed out over the last 20 years. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you that over 200,000 kids got saved. I have no idea. I preach the gospel. I believe that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I preach the gospel with that hope. And I lead them in a sinner's prayer with that hope. And 95 to 100% of those kids and teachers, we've seen dozens of teachers saved over the years. Well, pray that sinner's prayer. They all get saved? I don't know. That's between them and God. But I know that they have the opportunity. And that's all we can do, right? Whether in North Adams or over there, is give them an opportunity. In person or on videos that we're going to hear about in just a minute. So this is the army that was with me. This is the army of pastors and wives and young people that have come together to work. We had one last service in the prologue. They do an amazing job there. Ministered to that widow lady. Had two widows on this trip that are dear sisters that in the Philippines, death is so common that it's kind of treated harshly. Deal with it, you know. But when Pastor Bruce comes, he's the old guy that will put his arm around that grieving widow and cry with her and pray with her. And this was one of the two that I get to do that. Uh, Fernando's son's got a white shirt, red tie. He's now leading that church. Next morning, we're in the airport in the Polog, and uh, the picture with the pastors. And then I got this picture with the young people. You know why? Because if I live long enough and can keep on going back there often enough, there's going to be a couple pastors that are standing right there with me. Pastors, wives, or school teachers that are standing right with me. These kids have traveled with me for a week and a half. They've slept on church floors. They've slept on benches just so they could be with Pastor Bruce while we're doing this ministry. Why do I go over there? Because God has given me such a burden, such a burden for the Philippines. Give me fruit. Give me an open door. And how can I not go? Um, I hope I got under the 15 minutes. That was fast. That was fast. I tried to go, man. And we saw that picture of the preacher there, and you said what everybody was thinking. And you like, you know, the... The, that was a little weird, so yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to. Um, what Share with everybody, you're going to raise some money to go back, right? And we've That's helped in the trying. past. So tell us a little bit about the financial need. Okay. Uh, we need 25 grand. I'm shooting for 25 grand. Hopefully we can get close to $30,000. Uh, and my church has always been a big part of that, obviously, but other churches, especially this one, has helped with that for, for less than a buck. Less than a buck, you can put a New Testament in somebody's hand. And I wouldn't say, well, I can give $10 so I can buy 10 Bibles. No, don't invest that way. Put a penny in 100 Bibles. You know what I mean? Be part of that program. Be the one who buys that New Testament for a kid. I don't ask for uh, personal support. I don't need personal support. I'm retired. I'm on Social Security. We got a couple annuities that deposit, self-deposit, so we don't have to worry about that. We're not rich, but we're getting by, and uh, we're getting by well. My church usually buys my tickets. Another thing the church usually does is just before I leave, they take up an offering. I try to get around $2,500, $3,000 so that every church I go to, when we stop by with this army of preachers, that church is expected to feed everybody. 
You know, so I like to be able to be able to give 50 bucks here, 100 bucks there. If they're doing a big church dinner and stuff, maybe $200 in that church and just try to help them so that wherever I go, it does not create a financial. Because those people, they will feed you. If you show up their house, they will feed you. And then they won't have food for their mm. kids. Yeah. But they will feed you. That's the hospitality of the Filipino people. I just love them so much. All my grandsons and granddaughters, great-grandsons and great-granddaughters over there, it's just an absolutely amazing experience. So as we've done several times, we will take up an offering this at some point before this trip. To, yeah. we'll, we'll we would have, need the money by the end of February. This year, this coming February. Yep. All and right. that's because we have to send that money to Manila. And, and the way things work over there, Rolando, he will take that money in cash, travel from Mindanao to Manila. He will go in in person and negotiate with the, Printers the Bible and, Society right. that does the printing and arrange for the shipping. Wow. And, and you've and, worked with him for a long time. What's that? You've worked with that pastor for a oh, long time. Oh, yes. He was one of the first ones that showed up at the church. Right. He's, he's like the son. Yeah. And from the sun, now we have grandsons. <laughs> Anybody have a question out there at all? I hope you saw that, um, especially for you kids and young people, even young adults, it is exciting to serve the Lord. We talk Amen. about missions and we talk about the, um, the sacrifices people make, and there are sacrifices. But one thing I've always watched from Pastor Bruce ever since, like you said, I've known you since I was a young guy, is he's always just been excited to serve Jesus. And uh, he doesn't ever, he's never been one to complain about difficulties. And you almost died in the Philippines with couple that. A couple of times. A couple of times over there. So Appendix one time, and uh, I got that intestinal bacterial. When I was telling your dad, it went from 172 to 154 in 48 hours. Yeah. It just drained me. But we kept on. We kept on. I took a nap after and before every preaching service when yeah. we kept on. Well, if, you, uh, so if you're a young person and you're thinking about the call of God in your life to be a missionary or to be a pastor or to give your life to full-time service, yes, there's sacrifices in your life, but you can be like this guy and you can have fun. You can ride motorcycles and serve Absolutely. Jesus. You can travel the world. It's, it's, um, it's just awesome. You'll never regret giving your life to the Lord. And, and so... A pastor from a small church in northern Vermont who would ever thunk it that the Lord would have opened up such a door for a pastor from a small church who never went to a Bible college right. like some other guy I know. What's the largest church in the U.S. you've ever preached in? Northside. <laughs> so a couple of hundred people. Uh, oh, I've never preached to 200. But thousands church. of people in the Philippines. Yeah. It's awesome. Every, every night services. I'm, I say I'm like the white elephant. If there was a white elephant in town you heard about, you take your kids down to see it. And that's kind of the, where I am. Those guys can preach the Romans wrote in John chapter 316 just as well as I can. But it's the white elephant. It's somebody different coming in. They wouldn't go to hear the national pastor, but they'll come hear me. Amen. You know? And well, they just love me because I go. Well, <laughs> that's thank the only you. reason. Well, thank you so much. We look forward to helping you with that on this next trip.